What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. We are coming at you here on Sunday evening as Los Angeles Clippers lost this afternoon to the Memphis Grizzlies 105 to 101 as the losses continue to pile up. Brandon Marcus here at BD Marcus on Twitter slash X. Matt Mattawarren, my humble co-host at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter and X is with me. Matt, I got to tell you, man, I was really excited for a very loud norm to start this podcast, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case here. But how are you, my friend? Norm, <laughs> Sports Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Uh, I'm not good. You know, we've lost five in a row. 0-4 with James Harden playing. The offense seems stuck in the mud. Our pets' heads are falling off. It might be panic time here in Clipper. Clipper Town. Have you looked outside recently? I, you know, the blinds are closed as is as as, as what I usually do after a afternoon loss. Why? What? What am I seeing? The sky's falling. Gotcha. Yeah, the sky is. Uh, it's truly falling. And if you were on social media during the Clippers game, you would think that the season was absolutely over and that this was the biggest game in Clippers history. And that the Clippers are totally screwed. And I got to tell you, um, I'm usually the pessimist. And we're going to certainly have very negative points of view that we are going to offer during this podcast. Um, But I think we all need to put this in perspective. Like, yes, this is a five-game losing streak. It sucks. Um, The last time you and I recorded, the Clippers lost to the Knicks on Monday. Since then, they've lost to Brooklyn in a game that they should not have lost. They were five-and-a-half-point favorites. And... There was no Nick Claxton on the other side. Cameron Thomas got hurt after 20 minutes that he played, and yet the Clippers still lost that game. And then they went on to face Dallas, and things were looking okay after one quarter, and then they got their asses kicked in the second quarter, being outscored by nearly 30 points, and lost that game by 18. And then today, a game against Memphis, where the Grizzlies are a team that came in with one win, and the Grizzlies just took it to the Clippers from the start. I mean, outscored them by 13 in the first quarter. Um, The starters look terrible. And we're going to get into all the different lineups that we saw. Um, But we're going to break out the panic community to start the podcast. I think that's a good way to start. So you and I last year were trending toward that 7-8 with the Clippers as they continue to lose games and continue to show signs of just not being on the same page and injuries were hitting I mean, we're at a point now where Kawhi and PG are healthy and the Clippers still look awful. And so where are you on the panic meter, my friend? So I'm, I have, I have two panic meters going. For the Clippers at large, and this is not going to make any sense because my second panic meter talks to the Clippers at large, but the Clippers at large, I'm at about a three and a half to four. Mm. I, I don't, I am discouraged by five losses in a row. It is going to be hard to make up ground to get into that fourth seed and home court advantage is going to be tough. But for the Clippers at large, I, I think it's a work in progress. We're 40% through Ty Lue's 10 game. Uh, let me see how it works deal. I'm actually more at a six to a six and a half on Kawhi Leonard. We can get into that later. I'm worried about Kawhi uh, in, in, in this sort of offense or just what I've seen so far. The minutes have been there, but the production has not. And him and Harden 
and I didn't foresee this, but that it it doesn't look like the greatest fit of all time. So, uh, so at the so I guess if you want to average those out, I'm about a five and a half. All right, I think that's fair. Um, I think that with the Clippers right now, and with the team that I'm seeing, um, I'm at like a seven and a half, eight. And I, of course, I started this podcast by saying the sky is falling, and uh, everyone would think the season's over. And I'm actually going to go and say that yes, it's a seven and a half, eight right now, but it has the potential to go down to like three, and. The way that's done is with a couple of tweaks to the lineups, I think could make a lot of sense. Now, we got to give this team a chance. If everyone remembers, the Clippers lost a handful of games when they got Russell Westbrook. I believe they went 0-5 to start the Russell Westbrook tenure. And then they righted the ship a bit. And if you would have said that Kawhi and PG would have stayed healthy, then listen, the Clippers certainly could have had a chance against Phoenix last year. So... Is the sky falling right now? I mean, is the sky falling right now? Yes. Is the sky falling, going to be falling in two to three months? Maybe not. Like I trust Ty Lue and what he has done in the past. However, that being said, I don't love the way he's managed lineups in the last year or so. And so that part I'm a little skeptical about because he has not been able to find the right lineups until it's been a little bit too late. Now, let's start with the overall Harden part, okay? I think that's the easiest place to start. You and I were both pretty much on board with the deal when it happened. And I'm, I posted a tweet yesterday, and I said the thing about the Harden trade, I think it was actually two days ago, the thing about the Harden trade is that it's going to look bad when everybody is healthy. Like, that is a fact. And the reason why it's going to look bad is because this Clippers team looked really good without Harden. When they had Batum, when they had Covington, PG and Kawhi were healthy. I mean, the lineups, the plus minus of PG and Kawhi on the floor was through the roof. And here's the thing. PG and Kawhi have not been able to show that they can be healthy. Now, you can come at me with this point, and I think it's a very fair point. And I said that you bring in Harden because PG and Kawhi can't stay healthy. And so Harden will help you win regular season games when they're not around. Now you could say to me, well, if they're not healthy for the playoffs, PG and or Kawhi, you're not going anywhere anyways. So why make that trade when if one of those two guys isn't healthy, then you're screwed. And the reason that I would come back with that, come back on that, whatever you want to say, is because you want to raise your regular season potential. And with PG and Kawhi resting at points, you bring in Harden to try and win you games. Now, when everybody's healthy, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Like that is very much clear. And it's going to take some time to iron out. But I think the Clippers now have more guys that can carry this team during the regular season, but it's about putting it together. So that's kind of where I am right now on the Harden trade, where I get people that say they should have never done it. And frankly, I totally understand. And part of me right now wishes they wouldn't have. And I wish that they would have done what you said and perhaps wait a little bit and see what happens because the vibes were good after training camp. But you and I kept talking about, well, you make the deal now because you have more time to try and figure things out. You know what I mean? Like you do it now so you can try and figure out your lineups. Because if you go and you throw that Hail Mary in January, then it's too late and you're probably screwed. So that's why I'm okay with the deal now. 
but I understand that this season could be completely derailed. So that's where I am. What about you? I agree with you. I mean, you have to, you have to look at it. It's been five games. So it, in, in one aspect, it's like, yeah, you have to wait. Things are going to work out, but losing the first five games is very scary. And it's only four with Harden. So, mm-hmm. you know, the five game losing streak, he didn't play against the Lakers. He talked about a plus minus. I looked this up. Kawhi Leonard in the first five games, and this includes the Lakers games. If you average it, he was a plus 16. He's a minus almost nine after Harden joined. Paul George is a, was a plus 17 and a half. And now he's a minus six and a half. So the plus minus kind of throughout, but you, you, you kind of have to figure that's going to happen, right? When you bring in someone like James Harden, who is just going to completely throw a monkey wrench into into what was what 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 everybody was doing to begin with. So I'm okay with the trade. I still think it had to be done. I I don't wish they didn't do it. You know, I'm I'm sure everybody in Philly with Tyrese Maxey scoring 50 tonight is like, well, yeah. you see, you see. <laughs> so maybe maybe that and maybe they have a point. But I I think just rotationally, it just has not been good. And you know, I you can put some of that on Ty Lue, like you were saying. But this starting lineup cannot and will not stand. I have to imagine there's no way these four, you know, minus Zeus, stay in the the starting lineup together. And I almost think, I mean, I just wonder, even if like Harden should have been on a on a minutes limit. He's been 29, 29, 36, 31. Could you have brought him in slowly? Let let the chemistry run the way that it had been going before. And sort of, he's the eventual starter. I mean, I, I I just think there are different ways you could have run this, but to to lose four games in a row, especially the two in New York, and then to Memphis today, which by all accounts the Clippers should have beat Memphis. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is incredibly discouraging, but the sky is not falling. And it, it very well may in the, in the next week or two. I mean, we play Denver next, so that's not going to be any easy task. Yeah, that'll be a loss. But um, I, I'm not upset at this trade, and I and and you can see little sparks where, you know, where that, that like a corner three that Harden made today, for example, or mm-hmm. just a a couple of passes here and there. But the the lineups need to be tweaked, and th- this roster needs to a be shortened and b be changed because there's no way especially with plumley hurt that the roster constructed the way it is can make a title run i think yeah 100 percent. and you and i have covered this in the last couple of podcasts and the clippers need to back up center and i said it after that game against the knicks that they needed one by tuesday that game was on monday and they still haven't done it they need to sign a backup center because pj tucker Musa Diabate ain't it. They need to get somebody in there that can actually have some size and can change the second unit. PJ Tucker is too small. He's not a good enough rebounder. And Musa Diabate is way too raw. You need to win games. Musa Diabate should not be the guy that you go to. You look at Memphis. Memphis had a glaring hole when Steven Adams was hurt. So what did they do? They brought in Biombo. And he has done a really nice job for the Grizzlies. This Clippers need to find a backup center. And there's really nothing else that needs to be said about that. The Clippers need to find a backup center because when 
two of your four guys coming off the bench are Musa Diabate and PJ Tucker, while Bones Highland gets a DNP, and apparently that's going to be a DNP CD for a while as Ty Lue tries to figure out these lineups, then you need to figure something out. You need to figure it out now. Now, the plus minus, and you brought some good stuff with Kawhi and PG. Let's go a little bit further, and let's talk about Harden, and we'll talk about Kawhi. So Harden, today, in a game the Clippers lost by four, was a minus 28. That is dreadful. The Clippers were minus 28 when he was on the floor. Okay? Compare, by the way, now, the Clippers with him on the floor for the five, four games that he's played, a minus 67. The Clippers have been outscored by 67 points with him on the floor. With him on the bench in those four games, Clippers have outscored their opponent by 24 points. They are a plus 24. That is a 91-point difference between the Clips with him on the floor and with him off the floor. You look at today, Terrence Mann, unsurprisingly, a plus 13. Russell Westbrook was a plus 10. Now, let's dive deeper into that. Why was Westbrook a plus 10? Why was Mann a plus 13? Why was Harden so low? The starters got crushed. And once the starters got crushed, PG and Westbrook came in in the second unit, and they came in with Norm Powell and Terrence Mann. And that lineup seemed to work. And it worked because you look at what Kawhi and and Harden had to do. They had to get P.J. Tucker and Norm Powell, while P.G. and Westbrook got Terrence Mann. So... In the first half, Harden was a minus 19 in 16 first half minutes. Kawhi was a minus 15 because Kawhi and Harden came together as a couple. And PG and Westbrook, uh, Westbrook was a plus 5, PG was a minus 4. So, let's talk first about Kawhi and Harden. Because you made the point in the start of the podcast. You don't think those two guys seem to work well together because you don't think Kawhi seems to feed off of him. Here's the issue with that, Matt is that I think Westbrook and PG work well together. So I think Kawhi and Harden are going to have to figure it out. And I don't think there's much you can do about it unless you have another alternative. And I'm all ears to that. What do you think? No other alternative. And and you're right. They're going to have to work it out. But it can't just be one of them ISOs, one of them in the corner, and a bailout pass to the other where neither of them shoots it because we've seen that a number of times. And that's a main point for sure. And and to, to... just interrupt you really quick. That's the issue. James Harden's not James Harden. These guys are just passing up open shots, and it's more of a, all right, it's your turn. Oh, no, it's your turn. It's like there's one chocolate chip cookie left at the table, and they're all passing it around, and nobody is deciding to actually eat the damn cookie, and that's what it feels like right now. 100%, and you have to take advantage of that cookie because it's delicious, and you should take full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So they, I'm sure they can learn how to, how to work together but it, it's 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 right now it's just stuck in the mud and that's when i'm wondering you know how you how you run these rotations because once again i'll say it again these starting four because you said russ and and paul george and even t-man and th- there's a familiarity there so they can they can have some success and you have to build that that trust and that familiarity with Harden and Kawhi, but how do you do that and not and not sacrifice a uh, games like this and b 
you know, team building where then other players will get frustrated. It, it's it's such a conundrum. It's really it's really tough to to understand. So I don't have a better solution. I don't know. So here's the deal: it is that you look at the starting lineup, and it's not all on Westbrook and Harden. By the way, like I think it's common knowledge from all of us that have been following the Clippers that it doesn't make sense to have Harden and Westbrook on the floor at the same time because those are two guys that are ball dominant. They both want to play point guard. If you put Harden off the ball, that's not who James Harden is. And if you put Westbrook off the ball, it it just kind of neuters what he does as well. So one of those two, I think, needs to go to the bench. And we'll talk about that in a second in terms of who should. The other issue is, and all of a sudden it's becoming an issue and it hasn't been, is that Zoo is becoming a problem. And he has been one of the most important Clippers the last couple of years. But the issue is that if you have Westbrook on the floor and you have Zoo on the floor, you have two guys that can't shoot. And so all of a sudden, it really puts a lot of pressure on PG, Kawhi, and Harden. And those and Harden's not really a guy that seems to be willing to take those spot-up threes on the catch-and-shoot variety. He did do that a couple of games ago. When he was asked about it after that New York game, he finally took a couple against the Brooklyn Nets and looked a little bit better, but it's still not who he is, and he needs to have the ball in his hands. So the Clippers need to find some sort of stretch four, it feels like, that can work with those guys and be it stretch four, stretch five, whatever it might be, and that can work with a Kawhi, a PG, a Harden, um, or a Westbrook, a PG, a Kawhi so that they can kind of spread the floor a little bit more. Because when you have Zoo and uh, Westbrook on the floor at the same time, it's tough. And I don't know how the Clippers are going to figure that out and how they're going to make it work. And one solution that was brought up, and I'm curious to get your take on this, because we've talked about, well, okay, Westbrook probably should go to the bench. And then there are people today, they're like, well, maybe Harden should go to the bench. And I suggested it, because I said, if you're going to have him just off the off the ball and not touching the ball, and when he does touch the ball, he's just passing it to the next person. I don't want to see him in the starting lineup because that's not the way he should play. Put him with the bench and let him go crazy. It's just like you remember Jimmy, Jimmy Butler when he went nuts with the T-Wolves and he said, just give me the third string guys and I'll play against the starters and I'll beat them. It's, it kind of feels the same way with James Harden. So a suggestion that was brought up with just by Justin Russo at Fly By Night, and I bring him up a ton on this podcast. He does great work, is that he thought about maybe you put Norm Powell in the starting lineup to kind of spread the floor a little bit more instead of Westbrook. That then puts Westbrook and Harden um, separating them because Westbrook would come off the bench or Harden would come off the bench. But I'm guessing in this situation, you'd have Westbrook that starts over Norm Powell. Do you think that can make sense? Because it could give you another three-point shooter that could put less pressure on Kawhi, PG, and Harden. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense. The only... I mean, defensively, it it's going to be a bit of a liability. It makes sense offensively, of course. And then yeah, but then you it, have PG, Kawhi, and Zoo to kind of help you defensively. So maybe that's what the saving grace I, is there. Yeah, but I do think it puts then it's going to put Paul George and Kawhi maybe back into that playmaking mode that mm-hmm. we said we didn't want, or do we now want it? Right, like that. So well, uh, Harden could be the playmaker, can't he? He can. Oh, so it's it's Harden. It's Harden. P, it's Harden. PG. Kawhi. Norm Powell. And Zoo. Oh, I completely misunderstood. Okay, so yeah. then yes. Okay, so then that still poses a problem defensively, but at least offensively, yes. So and you do have you do have those three guys still. I I, I can see that happening. I, I I do. 
I do like Norm in the starting lineup just so I get to chant his name. But I mean, would it it wouldn't make any sense to just put T Man in that role? I mean, is he that much worse? Of I mean, he is a little bit worse of, a, of an offensive player mm-hmm. than Norm Powell is. But shoot, I just I think that's a just I'm more comfortable with that as a defensive backcourt. Yeah, I, and listen, that's what we, you and I suggested um, last podcast is that we thought that it would make a lot of sense just replace Westbrook with Man. Um, so the real question is, and let's go to what I originally brought up: Who do you move to the bench, Westbrook or Harden? I mean, logic would dictate Westbrook, right? Because Harden's this new shiny piece that you just brought in, and you know he's not a system player; he's a system, but. I th- like I and I said this at the beginning of this pod. I think maybe he needs to be ramped up into this system, and then he can be the system. Or you know what I mean? He can he can have a larger role, but perhaps start with with, with what has worked um, a little bit. And this I know this is off the beaten path because everybody's going to say Westbrook goes to the bench, Harden starts. That's it. Forget about it. I'm not so sure. Har- I'm not so sure Harden. I'm not sure Harden doesn't go to the bench and Westbrook starts. Yeah, I could see it. And it's worth noting that the lineup that went crazy in that fourth quarter was PG, Westbrook, Mann, Powell, and Tucker. And Tucker spread the floor, Powell spread the floor, Mann and PG also spread the floor. So it's Westbrook with four guys that spreads the floor. And it feels like that's what you need, that you need to have either one of Westbrook or Zoo. And you need to have four guys around that can spread the floor and give PG and Kawhi space to operate. Now, I don't think the Clippers have the personnel that you really want. I think you'd rather have someone better than Tucker as that guy that can spread the floor. And you may even want someone better than Powell. Um, But I don't know what else you can do in terms of a trade to make that work. So that was the lineup that went nuts. And then Harden came in at the 155 mark within the fourth quarter for Westbrook. So that was Ty Lue again acknowledging that it has to be one or the other, Westbrook or Harden. And I think that's where we talked about the beginning of the podcast with the sky is falling and that I don't know if I trust Ty Lue based on what's happened in the last year. It feels like maybe he does know what works and doesn't work, but for some reason, he's just not adjusting. Like he knew that Rocco made sense last year at times. Like he knew that today that he had to take out Westbrook to bring in Harden. Like he knows that it has to be one or the other. And Harden ended up saving the possession with an offensive rebound. They knocked up in the air and he hit a three. And then Zoo was supposed to come in for Powell after Harden's three, but he didn't because it was going to be defensive purposes, get some rebounds. And then Smart had that insane save to Riddy after Kawhi was fouled on the previous play, didn't get a call. And then, of course, after that, it was a three-point lead and Kawhi missed another shot. So Kawhi got a couple of shots late that you would hope that he would make at least one of two, but he didn't. And so the shots just didn't go the way for the Clippers that you wanted them to. Um, so now the question is like PG Westbrook, man, Powell Tucker, like that lineup, is that something that you want, maybe want to see as a bench unit of PG and Westbrook together, just like we said before with man, Powell Tucker, like, could that work? That means that you then have Kawhi with Harden and you have him with zoo and Ty Lue has talked about how he wants to have a center on the floor with Harden. So maybe that works. Now, back to what we were originally talking about, the starting lineup. Maybe it does make sense to bring Harden off the bench, but I feel like there's such egos involved with these guys, with Harden and Westbrook, that are they willing to do that? And it feels like these guys have said all the right things about how they want to win, 
but will they actually do the right thing and take one for the team? I mean, Harden sat out damn near a let what, 10 minutes, a little over 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. Like Harden was benched until the final 155. The team was doing better without him. Like, does he look at himself and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe it makes sense that I have a different role on this team. I don't know, man. I just, it feels like someone needs to have like that come to Jesus moment that, hey, let's do this for the team and let's see what works. But what I do know is I don't think Ty Lue can wait his customary 10 games. I just don't. I think the signs are there and I think he needs to act now. That's my take. I mean, you bring up some good points about Harden sitting on the bench, people looking in the mirror, because a lot of times, and we know this, especially with Paul George, and we can only assume with Kawhi, a lot of this is a mental game, right? So Paul George last year, where I'm the 1B, and then even even after the the loss, I believe it was the loss to the Mavs, or he said, I'm the, I'm, I need to be the glue guy. Well, no, you don't. You need to be... Uh, you need to be aggressive like you were at the beginning uh, at the beginning of the season. You don't need to be the glue guy and bring this all together. So I think it's really important and it's, it's got to be super hard for Ty Lue to sort of navigate this. But everybody's probably in their own head of what's my role supposed to be? What do I want to be? Um, so that's going to play a big role into it as well. You know, and then who who knows what if Harden is comfortable sitting on the bench watching the guys he was he was cheering on the bench i did see that it, it, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult and i i think maybe paul george has realized that okay glue forget the glue guy i need to be the guy forget the 1b i can be the 1a and i hope that's the case because quite honestly he's i mean Kawhi, Kawhi has been fantastic this season but paul george has been on on another level especially in the first four games so if he if he can get out of his own head, I think that's gonna that's gonna go a long, 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 long way. So, regardless of the starting lineup, who comes off the bench? If if everybody can kind of get on the same page, and we said we said earlier that Westbrook had bought in. If everybody buys in, and Ty Lue can sort of get get sort of a vision for what this season and what the ultimate goal is supposed to look like, maybe maybe that's the most important part and of course bringing in a big pj tucker you know unfortunately he's not it as a small ball five i don't think but maybe just getting the mentality that like and and we talked about hierarchy and i mean there's so much to work with here but i do think that a lot of it's going to be a mental game because when paul george said i need to be a glue guy not really you're not you're not the glue guy PG thirteen, like that that may have been Covington, right? Like that's yeah. the blue guy. You're you're a superstar. Act accordingly. And he addressed that after the game that he, he said um today that yeah, we lost Nico, we lost Roko, so we need the, some of the we need somebody to come and really do the dirty work. And that's what I said. But then I said, F it, I can't be that person. And it felt like he was that person in the first quarter. Like he was really passive. James Harden was really passive. And it just seems like the one guy that's really aggressive to start the game is Russell Westbrook. Like he's the only person that's like, all right, F it, let's go. And so much deference. Yeah. It just seems. Yeah. And it seems like, all right, well, can everybody else get Russell Westbrook's mentality? Like, can everybody else have that dog in them and like want to get after it and want to score and want to get off to a good start. And then you look at PG in the second quarter and he dominates 
Like, why can't he be that guy all the time? Like, that is where I'm struggling, is that PG just is so hit or miss. He was so damn good before this Harden trade. And all of a sudden, he's the one that wanted this deal along with Kawhi. I mean, they're the ones that wanted to bring in Russell Westbrook. And now I'm sure they're the ones that wanted to bring in James Harden. And they're just falling on their faces and not knowing what to do. And they're completely panicking. And that chocolate chip cookie is at the table. And he was gobbling it up for the first couple of weeks. And he was making sure there were no leftovers. And now all of a sudden, he keeps circling around the table. And he doesn't know where to sit to eat the cookie. And like then all of a sudden, two or three guys leave the table in Kawhi and in Harden. And now he's like, oh, okay, now I can eat the cookie. And I'm really pumped at myself for making that analogy just completely continue to roll and make a lot of sense. Um, so that's where I'm at right now with the with the cookie and PG. Yeah, I, I'm starving for dessert. I love <laughs> the analogy. And you also brought up Jimmy Butler. It's like you sort of just need that. Yes. That that killer mentality. Like, look, I don't care who's who's with me. I'm taking you. Uh, give me the give me the third string, guys. Give me whoever it is. Or give me three other Hall of Famers. We're doing this. And it, it sort of seems like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you think we should do? What do you want to do? What do you think we should do? And I, you know, I don't know how much he can talk to these guys, but it's got to be a Ty Lue thing, right? Yes. Like he's got to get these guys in line and sort of on the same page and a vision for what's going to happen for the rest of the season. And he's got to do it soon. And it's it really shouldn't be that difficult. Like you have guys that can drive into the paint. PG can get to the hoop at will. Harding can do the same. Kawhi can get to his spot. Drive, kick, pass, and find the open guy. And if you get an open shot, take the effing shot. There are so many guys that keep passing up open shots. Kawhi had one at the elbow today, okay? There was one possession that Kawhi drove to the elbow. He had an elbow jumper, chose not to take it. Instead, he passed behind, and he found PG. Could have taken an open three. Instead, PG put on the deck, and then he shot, and he got a shot blocked by Desmond Bain. Like, Kawhi, take the shot. PG, take the shot. These guys are so hesitant, and that is why this team is losing. Like, these guys are not aggressive enough, and they're, they just don't know what they're doing. And the lack of confidence is evident. And the longer this losing streak goes on, the more the confidence is going to continue to wane, and the deeper in the hole the season is going to go, and the Clippers are going to have no way to claw out of it. So they've got to figure something out, and that's why I think you cannot wait 10 games with the sample size. Ty Lu has to have seen what we've seen in the last five games, and he has got to make an adjustment. And it has to happen next game against Denver. Does he want to go one more game and have them get their asses kicked and maybe then make the lineup change so that there's a little more optimism going in to the game afterwards because you know you're probably going to lose to Denver, so maybe you do it the game after and think, okay, we're going to lose to Denver, so maybe against Houston is when we can make that lineup change because guess what? This was supposed to be the easy part of the schedule, and the Clippers just lost to the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, the Mavs, and the Grizzlies, and now they're about to go against Denver and probably lose there, and then it does ease up a little bit with Houston, San Antonio, San Antonio, New Orleans, Dallas, Denver, Sacramento, Golden State, so it gets harder towards the end of the month, so you have about a five-game stretch with Houston, San Antonio, San Antonio, New Orleans, Dallas, where you can start to figure it out, but... I think a change needs to be made now because if you decide that you don't want to make a change until five more games, then you have the potential to lose the next eight or nine 
or seven of eight or eight of nine and then face those three tough teams that I said at the end of the month and fall even further. And next thing you know, you're screwed and you're probably out of the playoff race. So I think a change needs to happen now. You really have to be careful and a change needs needs to happen immediately because, you know, the sky is not falling yet, but it's lowered a little bit because let's not forget Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, not on a contract for next year. Uh, so it's just, it's just there's there's a lot more in the balance, and I know it's like so early in the season, but three and six is really really tough. And like I said, you're gonna have to battle your way back from that, you know, to make it into the play in to the playoffs. So sooner rather than later, because there is no time for dilly dallying after losing five in a row and being three and six. Uh, Look, a trade, obviously. Obviously, something something has to be done. A big needs to be brought in. Lineup changes need to be made. I don't I don't think the Clippers are in dire straits just yet, as we've been saying, but we're not far off. Like like we're we're approaching that 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 DEFCON, you know, one or five or whatever is the highest one. Yeah, they're flirting with disaster. And uh, I think they, they, really are. they really need to make a change now because you end up losing I don't know, seven of the next nine. I mean, you're in big trouble, man. You're, you're in big trouble. Cause you lose seven of the next nine. That is two wins and seven losses. And that puts you at five and 13 or something like that. I mean, that's really, really bad. And, and it's basically, well, what the hell are you going to do? Because you have to try and salvage the season because who knows what the hell is happening after this. And this is with Kawhi and PG healthy. Like they're probably going to miss games and you're probably going to lose games when they're not around. So you need to win the games when they're healthy. And the, this is why I'm at the level I am right now of eight and eight and a half. But I think you can get it figured out. I think the talent is there, but it's going to take some lineup tweaks and guys that need to start actually shooting the basketball and stop being so selfless and be more selfish and figure this out. And it's doable, but. I don't know, man. My patience is starting to wear thin because I got to tell you, this is starting to become really not enjoyable. And last year, you and I talked about how awful the season was and how it was not enjoyable at all. Like this is, this is not fun. I'm not having fun at all. I much prefer a team that had guys like Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams that were going to just try really hard night in, night out. And you knew we're going to give a ton of effort and knew how to play together. And that's just not the case with this team. And it sucks. And people have like, people have given up on the Clippers even like before this trade had happened, and mm-hmm. when this trade happens, which just which just makes me want to root for them even more. But you know the proof is in the pudding, and it has not really looked good. I am going to hold out all optimism. That was my goal. That was our goal this year. But boy, like it is time to start showing us why we should be optimistic because it you know in that Lakers game and we spoke after that and I was very encouraged by that of course that was a loss but I mean Kawhi came out on fire in the beginning everybody was I mean it it, it, there was synergy ball was moving so that game was rolling and Clippers ended up losing by a couple of points in overtime okay so be it Harden comes to the Clippers um, and plays his first game. He was there, but he plays his first game against the Knicks, and they lose. Okay, game one. Game two, game three, game four. Now, if it keeps going, like you said, there's going to be there's going to be some hell to pay because 
it has to change so soon. I mean, I looked at the the next five games and I said, perhaps we're gonna go three and two. So if that happens, that would that would just, that'd be six and eight, right? So even if that, if we go three and two against like Denver, uh, San Antonio twice, Houston, whoever it is, even six and eight, you still got to battle your way back. We're we're behind the eight ball already, like you said, and it, it's kind of deja vu all, all over again. Except that I'm keeping an optimistic view here. Yep, that's all you can do. While well, the 76ers have the best record in the NBA at uh, eight and one, so they're clearly happy they got rid of James Harden. And I mean, people could be right; he's a team cancer, and perhaps the Clippers just doomed themselves by making this deal. But you gotta stay optimistic. Um, the Clippers play twice next week. They play Tuesday and Friday. We'll do our best to have a podcast between those two games. Um, try and do one either Wednesday or Thursday. If we're not able to, then we'll obviously do one um, after those two games and do it at the weekend. So we'll uh, we'll let you know. Always, you can follow us on Twitter, our ex at BD Marcus, at Matt Mattawarren for my co-host. Of course, at Ethos Clippers is the podcast handle on Twitter slash X. And of course, if you can rate and review the podcast, certainly would help. Give us that five-star rating and drop a nice review as well. And like Matt always says, we love interacting with people. There have been a couple of people that have come into my DMs in the last week or so. Or rather, not DMs. They have been replying to me, and I've been replying to them. And it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun talking to other Clippers fans. So we'll see, man. We'll see what the Clippers come up against Denver. It would be very Clipper-ish for the Clippers to lose these games against teams that you shouldn't lose and then somehow beat Denver. Um, Denver lost earlier today, so it's certainly doable. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Any final words? Yeah, I had one thought. Um, I was listening to a couple of podcasts uh, besides ours. I know, blasphemy. But hmm. they were, people were calling the Clippers desperate for making this trade. And it got me thinking about one of my favorite songs in the world by Santa Gold called Disparate Youth. And I know these Clippers are old by basketball standards in their mid-30s. But the team is the team is young as a, as a whole. So they're kind of a disparate youth, which basically means that they're, they're trying to overcome they're trying to overcome they're trying to define what they think they are as opposed to what people say they should be and i think maybe listen listen to listen to disparate youth by sans gold if anybody gets a chance look at the lyrics and you will kind of see how that relates to this disparate youth team even though they're a little bit older of our current clippers all right there you go there are there's the advice from my friend Matt Mattawarren. So that should do it for this podcast. The Clippers are three and six. We'll see what they can do against Denver. And then they play again on Friday. So we shall see. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. <laughs>